Welcome to Lubbock Unified Messages on the Go. I'm Pastor Furman. As always, we just want to say thank you for joining us. This message is from this past Sunday. We pray that it will bless you today. Um, you can come and find us, 2707 34th Street. We would love to have you on a Sunday in person at 1030. But other than that, man, let's keep seeking the Lord together. God bless. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody? Stay warm. Okay. It doesn't always be a lot colder, right? It always be like in Kansas City, negative seven yesterday. Wind chill, maybe feel like negative twenty-seven. Man, I'm good. Well, I'm excited for today. I'm excited to bring the word and man. Today we start a, a mini series called Resolutions. Okay. I think every year everybody always has these resolutions that they want to start. Oh man, you know, I got this goal. I want to see this improvement in my life. And what is this going to look like? Everybody has different things that they want to see done um, for the year, even currently in their life. And research suggests uh, that people always do this, that only 9% of people that make resolutions actually complete them. Only 9%. In fact, research goes on to show that 23% of people quit after the first week. Research also showed that 43% of people quit by the end of January. So what we see here is a common thing and people are like, hey, you know what, I'm good. I worked out, I tried it, but nah, it was too much for me. But I want to go over a couple of the top reasons that research says they believe people failed. The first one is that they believe people did it just out of tradition. Oh, this is what everybody's doing, so I guess I'm going to do it. This is what we do every year, right? We make these resolutions, these goals, and we kind of just all do this because it's a fun thing to do. Research says that if that is the reason you do it, just out of tradition, then you're going to lack the motivation that you need if you would have set it with a need. It would have been a necessity for you to do. So there's a good chance that because of you trying to do it out of tradition, you won't succeed. The second reason they said a lot of people fail in their resolutions, their goals, is because they were met with unexpected challenges. They made this great plan and then assumed they were meant for something they didn't expect. They said, all right, I tried it. It didn't work. Try again next year. Unexpected challenge. This is one of the things I've been trying to encourage all of us, right? doesn't matter where we are in life, how long we've been walking with the Lord. Things aren't always the Lord's plan. We can have the greatest plan in the world, but things can still change in a way that are effective. But are we going to push through it? Can we push through it? A lot of times people at the beginning of the years. They see those things go sideways and they say, okay, I'm going with it. This is my out. I was looking for it out to begin with, so I'm going to go ahead and take this one. And they give up. The third reason that a lot of times people fail is they say that people didn't feel like they were actually being challenged. So they set these resolutions. It really didn't challenge them. So they really didn't see it. They really didn't care that much. Research shows that often, as much as we like to deny it, right? I, don't, I want things to be easy. Well, actually, research shows that when things are more challenging to us, when actually it's more difficult, we're actually more likely to follow through and see it. Because in our minds, it's more rewarding, it's more gratifying when we accomplish something that is challenging versus doing something that is easy. So it says a lot of people fail the resolutions because they made their goals, the resolutions too easy. It wasn't challenging enough. And the last reason they said a lot of people fail is because they didn't have accountability. They didn't have accountability for themselves. They didn't have other people asking and pouring into them or holding them accountable. 
And the thing is, right, if you don't have nobody watching you or making sure that you do it, and you're like, it doesn't matter, right? Nobody's gonna know that I didn't meet this goal, that I failed, nobody's there to hold me accountable. So we see a common thing that we write out our goals, we create a plan, we celebrate the small victories, we got accountability in our life, there's a good chance that we could be successful. But what I learned, even though all those things are true, I believe there's a greater influence that's gonna make us more successful before we even start to identify what those plans and those goals are. You see, when you break down the word, put the word on the screen, resolutions, you separate it, right? You put read and solutions. What you see is you need to look at your solution. You need to rethink it. A lot of times we have old problems and we try to use old solutions to fix those problems and even new problems. We say, you know what, this worked in the past. Let me try this solution because I've been successful with it. And we're bringing these things, trying to fix things that are different. But if we really use a resolution, we need to rethink our solutions to these problems. And to get a new solution, I want this to be the year like no other year that we get into God's presence. Because he has all the solutions. He got all the resources, all the wisdom, all the advice, and how much better, how much more successful it would be if we go with his solutions versus our own. That's what I want us to focus on today, this year, of stepping into God's presence like never before. So before we go further, I want to do that right now. I want to pray and make sure that our minds and our hearts are settled so we can hear from her clearly and not be distracted. Father, we just come to you right now, just praying specifically for that, that you would settle our minds and our hearts, Lord, that all the, the chatter of the day, of the things that we need to do, of just the life and the world around us would just be quiet right now in the name of Jesus. That we would just rest in your presence. That we'd hear the whisper of your love and your voice speaking to us in a way that's clear, in a way that's undeniable, in a way that pushes us to be successful in all things that are in front of us. So Father, just come and spend the morning with us. But when we make effort and time to spend the days with you. Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the 20th century, the agriculture economy in the South was suffering at the hands of the boll weevil. You ever heard of that? The boll weevil. It's this bug that would go and eat the crops on cotton buds and also on flowers. And you know the thing about the South, West Texas, what do we grow? Cotton, right? Everything is about cotton. There's a lot of money in cotton. Cotton used to make so many different things. So at this time, when all this was going on, this bug was coming and killing the crops. They were losing profits. They were like, man, what are we going to do? What they didn't realize, another problem they had is they kept planting cotton year after year after year. And the soil in which they were doing it was getting depleted. So we didn't have the right nutrients to produce a harvest that was going to be bountiful. And so as they're struggling in all these things, there's this guy who's a professor, he's an uh, agriculture scientist, he's an inventor, his name is George Washington Carver. And he taught at this school called Tuskegee. And at this school, he did a lot of research on all these things that were going on, because he's always looking to make an improvement. You know, that's what inventors do, scientists do. And one of the things that he learned is that they rotated the crops in that area, it would bring back the life of the soil. And so he told the pharmacist, hey, I want to introduce you to this technique. It's called crop rotation. Basically what you're doing is, instead of planting cotton in your off season, plant something else. 
He said, plant peanuts. It's going to work wonderful for you. So they did. They planted peanuts. And what happened? The soil came back. The nutrients came back. It was rich. It was good. The bugs that was killing everything kind of disappeared. Things were good. But guess what the problem was? That kind they had peanuts. And back then, it was like, yo, what are we going to do with these peanuts? There's only one roadhouse in our city, right? <laughs> what are we going to do with all these peanuts? There's not a market for peanuts. So, of course, they went to Carver. They said, hey, we appreciate your help, but we still got a problem. Our pockets are still hurt, okay? What are we going to do about this? What you learn about this man is not only was he a bright man, but he was a man after God. Every morning at 4 o'clock, he would get up. He would go for a walk and he would spend time with God. And he would spend time just talking with God and praying with God. God, what do you think about this? And what's on your mind, Lord? He would spend a lot of time listening to God. And then when this was all going down, he went for his normal walk at 4 a.m. He's out there talking with God. And I want to read what he said. I want you to take his words. Because he read this verse in Job. But I want to read the verse first. We'll put this on the screen. Job chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. This came to his mind. On this particular morning, they said, Just ask the animals, and they will teach you. Ask the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Speak to the earth, and it will instruct you. Let the fish and the sea speak to you. If you know anything about Job in this story, man, he had, he was a man that was very wealthy, lost it all, suffered a lot of hardships, and he found himself like Mr. Carver talking to God and asking, Lord, what's going on with all this? I want to read what Mr. Carver said. He said, I asked God, why did you make the universe, Lord? Ask something more in proportion to that little mind of yours, replied God. But why did you make the earth, I asked. Your mind is still wants to know far too much. Ask something for more in proportion to that little mind of yours, replied God. Well, why did you make man, Lord, I asked. Far too much, far too much. Again, ask. God replied, Well, explain to me why you made the plants, Lord. I asked. Your little mind still wants to know far too much. The peanut, I asked meekly. Yes, for your modest proportions, I will rent you the mysteries of the peanut. Take it inside your laboratory, separate it into water, fats, oils, gums, resins, sugars, starches, and amino acids. Then recombine these under my three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure. Then you will know why I made the peanut. Carver went on to discover over 300 uses for peanuts. And this went from glue to shaving cream, to soap, to insecticides, to cosmetics, to wood stains, to fertilizer, to Worcestershire sauce. That's a hard word right there. <laughs> over 300 different things came from that one peanut. And I want you to take this away this morning. Good ideas, man, they are good. But God's ideas can change history. Okay? We all have good ideas, right? They're awesome, they're good. They don't compare to God's ideas. I'm telling you, we can all come up with ideas that we feel are good for the problems that we face, for the changes that we want to see in our life. But they don't compare to what God has for us. But to get to that place of understanding that you got to have something that I think a lot of people in the world don't have right now, self-awareness. A lot of people don't have self-awareness. How many people, you know, went and talked to you and they tell you things, you're like, you're going to to yourself. All the problems you have, you bring it on yourself. You don't have the awareness to even see it. You're just pointing the finger at 
A lot of these things that we suffer with comes from lack of self-awareness. So we have to get that. And when you can identify that, that your good ideas don't compare to God's ideas, you can gain the self-awareness and say, you know what, I know this is this sounds good, but you know, let me go to God and see what he says about the situation, right? Because we see, Mr. Carver, he was a bright man. He could have said, you know what, we do this with the peanut, but no, he said, I got to go to the Lord and figure this thing out. Because as smart as I might be, I know he's way smarter than what I am. So one good idea doesn't compare to God's ideas. You see, God's ideas is worth more than a thousand of those good ideas. And what started off as a crop and a bug issue, it turned into a discovery that this didn't just meet those needs right and then far beyond it. What if this is the year that we let go of our good ideas and we exchange them for God's ideas? What's the possibility that we can reap from going to God and getting his solutions for our life? And it's going to change our life. And it's going to change our life in ways that it's not just us, it's not just our family, not just generations. It can change the world around us. It can change history itself. They might have to go into history books and have to etch this down of what happened, just like Mr. Carl. You never know what could come from God's solutions to your problems. So instead of having New Year resolutions, you could have a God solution that rewrites your life's history. And that's what I pray this year, that we will see God change our history. That means if I come from a family that don't own homes, guess what? God's going to change their history. I'm going to be that homeowner. Yes, my credit's in the 400. Yes, I ain't got no money saved. I ain't got no money to buy a house. But I am believing and proclaiming that that's what God has for me. Because his word says that he has his best. But we have to see that we can't continue to do the same things to the same ways. We can't just keep using these old solutions and expecting new change. We can't keep settling for the things of our history or what people might tell us, right? Because people always want to have something to say. Your history, you review it, you're like, well, that's not in the cards for me, right? You know, I'm 5'7". I'm, I'm not supposed to be a pro football player. There's no way I can do something like that. You never know what God has for you, but you got to be willing to go to him with these things and discover what that looks like. Because how many of us see people, right? You're like, man, that is so amazing. I can't believe that a person like this was able to create FedEx, Amazon, all these amazing things that come from it. You're like, man, you must be really smart. The truth is, those things are same problems. You don't know what God wants to do in your history and how he wants to change you. How he wants to take something like a peanut and do something way more than what you could imagine. You see, there's this guy who had a heart to fight against malnutrition. If you know anything about malnutrition, that's one of the leading causes in the world of death. People are dying of starvation, of hunger. They just don't have food. They don't have the resources for it. And what you have to understand is when you are in a place of being malnutrition, you can't just eat regular food because it will mess up your stomach. It will hurt you just as bad as not having it hurt you. So there was this man that said, you know what, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I really feel that God is asking me to step into this and to come up with a solution. So he went to this coffee house that was uh, established by this church, and they called it the Dream Factories, with the nickname of the coffee house, because people would go there, spend time talking to God about their dreams, and God would work amazing things out of that place. And he would go and he would spend time there praying and meeting with people. And on this one occasion, he met with this guy and introduced him to this product that was being manufactured that they used in the military, and it was plant-based. 
And with these meals, they were able to feed a lot of people. And guess what the main ingredient was? Peanuts. The peanut paste. Because of this, he said, man, I gotta go down to Georgia where they produce the largest production of peanuts. I gotta figure out what this looks like. I gotta set up shop and factory. I don't know nothing about this, but I know this is what God wants me to do. So he did that. He went to Georgia. He went and did research. He created a plan. They said, all right, you're gonna need a million dollars. He said, cool, let me go talk to God. Let me figure this out. When met with God again, he's continually meeting with God, giving in God's presence, continually to follow the steps that God ordains. And he found a man and said, you know what? One donor said, I'll cover the whole million. Let's make that factory. Let's make this possible. Now, this isn't in malnutrition in the world, but it does help a large attack on it. And all this came from a man who found a God solution to his problem. And to think, Mr. Carver didn't set out to look and know that this was going to happen years down the road when he would no longer be alive. But how many things can be birthed from you that can change not just your history, but generations to come? Because you stepped out of faith, because you went to God looking for the solution. That's what's available when we don't settle for our past or what people say, or when even we think about it. I pray that we would reap the fullness of what God has for us in this life. But to do so, we gotta be like Carver. We gotta be consistent in doing something that he did every day. And I'm not saying get up at 4 a.m., okay? Don't get up at 4 a.m. I'm, I'm not saying that you need to go for a walk every day. But what we do gotta do is we gotta be consistent in seeking God and spending time in his presence. That's what's gonna change things. I want us to read this verse in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, what it say? You'll find me. Now a lot of times when people go and they go to this chapter particularly, they go to a couple of verses before this. And you've probably heard in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans that are good for a future and a hope, not for disaster. The very next verse says, the Lord says, man, if you pray for me in those days, I will listen. And then it says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find You see a common thing, right? God said, look, come to me. You ain't got to do this all along. In fact, I have great things in store for you, but you have to come toward me. You have to be willing to spend time with me. I want to read this verse in Proverbs chapter 8. Verse 17 says, I love all who love me, and those who search will surely find me. Surely find me. I'm going to make my English teachers proud, okay? Because to seek, to look, to search, you know what those are? Those are action verbs, all right? That means there got to be some action along with this. It's not something that you can just sit on your hands and expect it's going to fall in your lap. That's not the way this works. Meaning it's going to have to put some work in it. Everyone wants a miracle and deliverance, but are you willing to do the work that is required that God is asking you to do? How many of us know people, right? They say, oh, man, I help you. What do you mean? You moved it? I got you. And then you tell them, hey, I got this, this, and this. And they're like, oh, man, I forgot. I actually have something else to do. I ain't been able to help you out. How many of us see the work that is required? We say, you know what? I think I'm about to head and I'll catch the next one. I'm good on this one. Just because God is omnipresent, you know what that means? That he is everywhere with everyone all the time. It doesn't mean that we're in his presence. That's not the same. Now, let me say this again. Just because God is present, just because he's here right now, it doesn't mean that you are in his presence. You're probably like, okay, Pastor, you're going to talk about English. That's how I see more of, right? That don't make no sense. 
how is he present, but I'm not in his presence. Well, let me tell you this, okay? Have you ever asked somebody, hey, did you hear what I just said? Or you've been told that question, hey, were you listening? I know the husbands in the room are like, I know, my wife says this all the time. It's a weird way to start a conversation. I don't understand why she starts like that. See, we can be present and not paying attention to what God is even saying. Because there's a difference between being in his presence and just being in the room. Right? You can come to church and be in the room and not receive a word because you're not present. You're thinking, oh man, I'm going to have to count what we're going to win Is that going to do good? Is he going to show up today? Lord, what do you think? Oh, what's that you're talking about? Oh, we're supposed to say hi to that guy. Hey, good morning, brother. You know, I've been doing this thing on, on TikTok, and I don't really like it. I don't like it. Okay, be honest with you. But I know God would say, hey, you want to be 21 days praying and fasting? I want you to pray on TikTok. I said, Lord, I'm going to do that. So do it. So okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. So I've been praying on that, right? And I was praying the other day, and I said, man, if you need physical healing today, that's the topic that's going to focus on. Drop a comment, let us know. You know what somebody said? Man, we pray for that. I said, it just shows, man. Just because God is omnipresent doesn't mean that we're in his presence. Sometimes we are blind and just far off from being to being in the room with him. We don't do that, though. But it goes back to those action verbs. Are we seeking? Are we looking? Are we listening? Are we searching? And that's the importance of prayer. It places us in positions to be present in his presence. Because I want you to take this away. I want you to look at prayer this way. Prayer is the difference between what you can do and the best that God can do. That's the difference. When we enter in this prayer, guess what? We gain that self-awareness and we realize, you know what? I might be able to do okay, but it can't compare to the best that God has for me to come in this situation. Does anybody want God's best? Do you want God's best? You gotta say it like you mean. Do you really want God's best? Because I want his best. But unless we spend time in his presence, time praying, worshiping in his word, we're going to be settling for missing out on that. You see, prayer shouldn't be something that is intimidating or we're afraid to do. The truth is, it's a privilege. We don't deserve to be praying. We don't deserve to have conversations with God. Because just like I was saying, right? how many of us go to God with some conversations? God, come on. This guy's been here for boys. We got to figure this out, Lord. I didn't wear my jersey to church for nothing. God's like, you're wasting my time. Every Sunday, you're going to come talk about some nonsense. How many of us go to God for things that just really don't matter? God, I don't even believe how this person is talking crazy about me. Yes, I don't even care about the opinion. Yes, they don't. I really don't care for this person. I know they don't care for me. I know at the end of the day, I'm not even going to think about it. But right now, I'm upset, Lord. Because they were talking about me this way. And I ain't going to let that slide, Lord. God's like, why you tripping about this? It doesn't even matter. How many of us go to God and we're just spinning the wheels? We're doing all the talking, none of the listening. Man, to go to God is, is such a privilege. It's one that we don't deserve. It's one of the more that I reflect on and I don't deserve at all. So instead of acting like it's a huge inconvenience, right? We try to do fly by and drive by prayers. Lord bless us food. All right, let's go ahead. Let's eat. Let's eat the dance. Let's really soak in his presence, man. Let's really be in there. Jesus said, man, those who believe in me wholeheartedly, those who declare that I'll be the Lord and Savior, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do, man? I'm going to give up eternal life. 
And you know how that happens? That happens in a prayer. It happens in a conversation with God. When we are praying and being in his presence, man, God changes us. He gives us a whole new life, a whole new perspective. He gives us the ability to bring back dead things to life, to do amazing things. And too many times we treat prayer like it's just getting in our way. Like spending time with God is inconvenient to us. Because we got better things to do. That's crazy. How can I let any of the problems I face have become greater than the God that I'm loved by? Spending time with Him. They're not the same. Our biggest problems are small in the view and ability of God. It's nothing to God. He can do anything, anytime, anyway. But we have to get into His presence. I want to read this verse in Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this. But it says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. The Venus flag, right? You see action for it, right? Asking, seeking, knocking. He continues to say, For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you simple people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask? Jesus said, man, just ask. Just come one of the most popular verses in the Bible is in Matthew 11. Jesus says, Come to me, those who are weary, carrying heavy burdens, you will find rest. He says, To ask is going to help you get into my presence, not just be present. So, whatever you want to accomplish this year, may it get done with a God solution. You know, something that I was sharing with everybody on Wednesday and Wednesdays, I feel like this is the year of doors, right? that God is going to present us with. There's three specific doors I feel like God is going to be opening and placing in front of us this year. And the first door is the door that you see at the grocery store. You know the door I'm talking about? Walmart, you walk up, what does it do? It opens automatically, right? There's some doors that God has for us that aren't going to require anything for you, but simply to walk through them. All you got to do is walk through them. Then there's another door. I don't know if you got any appointments at UMC, but they got the rotating doors. You gotta jump in at the right time. If not, you're gonna hit that glass, you're gonna have to wait. Ah, that I missed it again. There's some doors that are gonna require us to be paying attention, to be looking, so we don't miss the window of opportunity to, to jump right in. But there's a door specifically that I feel like God is speaking for everybody that are always present. And it's that door that you go to home to every day. What do you do? Where my keys at? I'm going to pull my keys out and put it in there, right? I'm going to have to put my hand on this knob and turn it. I'm going to have to switch the clicker and try to open the garage door. I'm going to have to require some work from me, right? Just like that verse said, what do you say? Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. There's going to be some work required of you to get through that door that God is presenting in front of you. Are you going to take advantage of it? Are you going to get in his presence so you can identify the door that's right before you? I pray that this would be a year. That we don't let our own ideas, our own good ideas prevent us from God's ideas, from God's solutions. 
You see, because until we come to the conviction of God's grace and his power and understanding that it has no limits, you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be putting our limit on what God is trying to do. So do you believe that God has good solutions that are better than yours? Do you believe that God can heal your relationship? He can heal that marriage? He can heal that distraught child that you have? That he can mend that relationship? Do you believe that the diagnosis that the doctor told you that God can make a way and do what they say they can't? Do you believe that you can be a homeowner? Do you believe the best that God has for you in this life? Do you believe that he is bigger than your worst sin? Than your greatest fear? Than your biggest dream? If he's bigger than all of these things, then we should be people who pray like it. We should be people who seek his presence like it. We should be people who act upon it. This is my challenge for us this year. That we would spend time in God's presence each day. That's the challenge. Spend time in God's presence each day. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Burton? We got to be like Mr. Carver, right? We got to carve out time. No pun intended. Well, I got the English there right now. We got to make time specifically each day. In my household, if it's not on the calendar, it's not, it's not even happening. And that's the credit to my beautiful wife, Desiree. She's like, hey, you put it on the calendar? She's having me way more organized, more structured. So now I have to make sure that I'm creating time for the Lord because I know myself, if I don't make that space, I'm not going to get in that space. But we need to make sure that we're making time each day for the Lord. Another way that we take time and be in his presence is by talking to him with every decision that we're making. And that's not to say, Lord, that should we have mashed potatoes or green beans with this. What's the side, Lord? That's not what I'm saying. Okay? What I'm saying is those decisions that you're weighing on, that you're saying, I don't know what's the best, go to God. Allow him to give you the right solution. Allow him to help you see things from his perspective, from his view, so you can make a God solution. Not just depend on your own ideas, so you can make a God decision. Another way to do this is to keep a journal of the things that God is speaking. Whether it's here on a Sunday morning, you're writing in your phone, you're writing on a tablet, research souls, but we write these things out, we're more likely to remember. So we need to make sure we're journaling these things, these prayers, these tablets that God is speaking to us in these moments, all these different things, and then reflecting on them so we can see God's hand on our life. It's one of the beautiful things I was reading yesterday. He was talking about the story of Abraham and Sarah. And now they had their son Isaac at a very old age. And when God would do a speak to Isaac and say, hey man, I'm going to bless you with many nations through a son. His wife overheard it. She wasn't even in the same room. She started laughing. Like, that is so crazy. She didn't even know who he was talking to. She was like, that boy is crazy. That's not going to happen. But God heard that laughter. He said, okay. You think it's funny? God went back a year later and told him, hey man, you're going to have a child. And he went and spoke to her this time. They end up having a child, Isaac, and his name means to the one who lasts. You see, what started off as a laughter at God ended up becoming a testimony of his faithfulness. And now every time she says her son's name, she's reminded of God. In fact, in Genesis 21, 18, she says, man, uh, I want you to hear this story and laugh at me as much as I do. Laugh at me about what God has done in my life. You see, her pain and her suffering became a testimony of God's faithfulness because she had a reminder to look back on and see how God worked in the situation. 
man, church, I'm telling y'all, when we get in his presence, we make time, we make decisions, we journal these things, we can't miss. Carver has this famous quote that I want to read to you. It says, 99% of the failures that come from people, they come from having the habit of making excuses. 99%. That means there's a high rate of you failing if you don't make an excuse for whatever you're trying to accomplish. But God's word also says this. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Now, I don't know about you, but that looks like a success rate that I want to be a part of. But he said, in order to do that, what do you got to do? Commit your actions. And if I'm going to commit my actions to the Lord, that means I got to spend time in his presence. Because I got to go and do some dumb stuff and say, the Lord was with me. The Lord was like, nah, I ain't blessing that. You crazy. When we commit our actions, when we are in his presence with all these goals, these resolutions, these plans, we got a high success rate of seeing it come true. So that means even though right now I'm not in a place to buy a home, if I go to God with these decisions, we're trying to make these things happen, guess what? You're going to see that picture online. You're going to see me holding up that big key with Desiree. <laughs> Homeowners. But you have to believe it. You have to go to his presence. Because God's solutions are greater than our ideas. Because one God idea could what? Change history. There's a big difference between doing things that we can and receiving the best that we have. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Man, you are way too good to us. You're way too patient with us. Um, you're everything that we could ever ask for and more. So help us not be, man, not be distracted by the world, by our own desires, by the things that that so often pull us from you. Help us be people that just so be in your presence. That we can spend time with you and lose track of time. That every day we wake up and say, man, I want more of God. Help us receive your solutions, your ideas, your plans, your wisdom, your direction for everything that you come across in this life. Because Father, we want to look back at the end of it and see your hand on the way. You want to look back at the end of it and say, man, I went to God not just when I was in need, but in all areas of my life. I was praising him before I, I even knew what I was praising him for. Help us be those people, Lord. That's so to spend time in your presence. That people say, oh, man, I can't get a hold of them. They're probably with God right now. I'll try again later. Father, help us be those people this year and for the rest of our lives. And may it start today. Father, we just thank you for who you are, for what you're doing, for what you're going to do. Help us not miss out on your best. Father, we love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right now, we're going to take time for worship. If you need prayer, we'll have prayer team members back there, as always. But here's the other thing, church. As much as I want you to go to our prayer team members, because there's power when we come together and stand in agreement, guess what? You can pray, too. That means you and God call Pastor Furman up. Oh, no, Pastor Furman ain't there. I guess I ain't gonna pray. Nah, man. You go to God. Okay? You talking to somebody, man, they know we can pray for prayer. Ask them to pray for you. Don't be scared, man. Because what? Prayer is the difference between what you can do and the best that God can do. Let's go to this prayer.
Thank you for joining us today, listening to Lubbock Unified LUC Messages on the Go. As always, we invite you to join us in person Sundays at 1030, also on Wednesdays at 630, or catch us online at Lubbock Unified on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple, whatever your listening desires are, we would love to connect and for you to be part of the family. So let's do life together. Let's keep seeking the Lord. God bless.